You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is The James Altucher Show. Okay, so you're living on the streets, more or less, you're living and staying at friends' houses, it goes on for a year, and then I know like big things happen, like yeah, your life so, went in a completely different direction. Yeah, and so, um, you know, I started going back to school, started finding ways to be in school. I don't know, I like school because I like the sports. Mm -hmm. I don't think I like school because of academics. I like I definitely I definitely like school because of academics. I like school because of sports. Like I like being part of a team and I like, you know, just playing sports. But whenever I played sports, I felt, you know, I felt free from everything. It was just all the aggression could come out. Like I played football, I played basketball, volleyball, tennis, wrestling, and all the aggressions could come out and it was like free. It felt free. So I went and you know, started playing sports again. And then I would shoot pool. Like I started shooting pool. Like, you know, I beat two twice from yesterday. Yes. In pool? Yeah, yeah, I got him. I got him yesterday. So, by the way, Party. we're talking about like your background, like yeah. projects, guns. Meanwhile, I know because I was there, but we were at this penthouse party. Oh, guy who developed the whole seafront in Tel Aviv, and you're playing pool Stuart with Stuart Weitzman, <laughs> the founder of the Stuart Weitzman Shoe Company, one of the oh, biggest shoe God. companies in the world. 
and you beat him in pool, which is not surprising. He's 75 years old, yeah. but uh, he, he, he was talking a big game though. But it was good. Was he good? Yeah, he's actually he, he's actually good. But I haven't played pool in a really long time. Like, I actually haven't touched a pool stick in I don't know years. But I, I used to play a lot, so I, I still remember. You know, I made I made it like some incredible shot that was the ball was against the rail to win it. It was unbelievable, unbelievable shot because I still remember. You know, I, I understand angles. And we play ping pong. Ping pong's a lot of angles. Yeah. So, so I understand angles, pressure. It's like golf. Like you know, I never played golf before. I played one time, and my first time playing golf, I got uh, almost a hole in one in a part three. And I never played golf, but I understand how much pressure I need to hit the ball to where it needs to go. Now putting, on the other hand, was a different story. I couldn't put to save my life, but I was still good enough to hit the ball with the right enough pressure to get it to where it needs to go. Simple well, like that. It's funny because you're—I know you're like world class level at every kind of let's call it a racket sport. So like ping pong, tennis, paddle tennis, pickleball. Do you play handball? I used to play handball. Oh yeah, you used to play in Venice, right? But no, no, handball I, I used to play in the projects. Handball is a very, very hood game mm. because there's walls all over the place. So. What, what if a ping pong table was enclosed in a cube, kind of like a squash ping pong table? <laughs> would you be able to- like, That would be funny. That would be crazy, the angles and the speed. You know what they did? They actually made, uh, I can't remember the name of this thing. It didn't last long where these walls went on the side of the ping pong table, right? So there were walls that were about half size of half of a table and they were in the middle of the two parts of the table. So you could play off the wall of this walls. And it, it was fun, but it, it, it never got big. A guy created it. He thought it would get really big but it, it, it didn't do well. But it was fun. It was fun to play, actually. So, so all right. So back to when you're 17 or 18, you're living on the streets. What happened? Yeah, so then I started shooting pool. Pool was like my thing. I thought it was really good, but I sucked. And uh, I got upset and broke my pool stick. Like I slammed the pool stick on the um, table and uh, got really angry. And I saw some Asian kids playing ping pong because they had some ping pong uh, tables in the pool. And uh, I saw them playing and I wanted to be a bully because you know, I was like a bully at that time. And, and uh, I wanted to blame, I, I used to blame everyone for what happened with me. So if something happened to me, I blame everyone else. So when my mom used to get beat up, I would go out and take it out on someone else. So that's how it was. And um, I saw these kids playing. I was like, it's such a stupid sport. And I, actually, I didn't even call it a sport. It, for me, it wasn't even a sport. And I went over there and I told the kid, I want to get a hit. And the kid said, oh, you play this? I said, no, I don't play this shit. I almost want to hit. So the kid gave me the rack. Well, he didn't even give it to me. He took it from him. And um, he hit the ball to me. And out of anger, I wanted to hit him with the ball. That, that, that was the whole idea, was to hit him. But somehow, the stupid ball went on the table. And then the kid was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Wow, how'd you do that? And I was like, I don't know, I don't play this. And he's like, there's a ping pong club that you can go to. I was like, what? I said, there's no way there's a club where people play this sport. I was like, well, not sport. I'm saying sport now because I play, but I'm sure sport wasn't the word I used. And I was like, there's no way there's a place where people play this. And he's like, no, I'm telling you, you gotta go check it out. And the athlete in me wanted to go see. And so I went to this club that was like in Midtown Manhattan. It was half, it was a pool, really a pool hall. Where, where was it? I it was on picture. 50th Street and 11th Avenue. Okay. 50th. Uh, if I can remember the name, 
Can't remember the name. Is there like a bowling alley there now? No. I, well, I don't know what's there now, but Kenneth Cole took that building. Okay. But it was on 50th Street and 11th Avenue. And uh, it was a pool, actually. But it had like a half section that was for ping pong. And I walked in there and people were playing. And the thing that was really, that made me interested was that all the people that were playing were black. Huh. And I was like, wait a minute, black people play this sport? There's no way black people play this. This is like an Asian sport. And I saw all, it was only, I didn't actually see no Asians playing. I saw only black people playing. You know, they, they, they were from like Jamaica, from Africa, from uh, Barbados. And I was like, wow, black people play this sport. So it became interesting at that point. And like if I walked in there and I saw like all Asian guys playing it, I probably wouldn't have been interested. So I was like, wait, this is a cool sport then. They're playing too. So then nobody would play with me, but I really wanted to play. And I found some old guy to play with, and he would beat me really badly. That made me want to play more because I was very competitive. Yeah. And I was like, how can a guy in the 70s beat me at any sport? It's crazy. And uh, I would want to play more. And then I met a guy. And it's funny. It was funny, too, because I always say that, you know, this universe is like a circle. And wherever you start from brings you back to it, revisiting places that you or things that you've done years ago. So now we're in Israel. And um. An Israeli guy, the guy who actually saved my life, he's an Israeli guy. And uh, he came up to me and said, hey, do you have a partner? And I was like, uh, no, not really. He says, well, I can pay you $20 if you hit with me because I'm looking for a steady partner. And, you know, I, he told me he lived in Israel and he, he did in, uh, import-export business. And uh, he has, you know, and he's back and forth. So I was like, okay, $20 for sure. So I played with this guy all the time and he'd pay me. And then we became friends, you know. Um, I remember I used to drive, they used to drive illegally, I had no license. And, and he would get, he, this is crazy. I mean, this, this guy, this guy was just way too trusting. He would give me his SUV on the basis that I said I had a license. I didn't have, I didn't have a license. Mm-hmm. I used to usually give someone your car, you say you have a license, the guy says, yo, let me see it. Yeah, his car could have been like, yeah, so, taken. It's crazy, exactly. So, so, so I would, he, he would let me drive his, his SUV because he would have to, you know, go to Israel and then I would hold it. I would drive this thing around with no license. Remember, with no license. So we were pretty close. You know, we spoke about the thing I was going through with my mom and stuff like that. We spoke about gang stuff. But for him, he never really, I don't know, he never really took it seriously. And then one day I went to the club and a 22 fell out of my bag and he saw it. And then I thought, you know, I got to get out of here because this guy's going to bother cops and um you thought though the israeli guy would call the cops yeah for sure for sure but why though because he i mean he's was like your best friend there yeah but he's never seen he's only heard you know things i was in and and i i thought maybe if he saw it and he saw the gun that he called police like i wasn't taking no chances i yeah. tell you i didn't trust people so i wasn't taking no chances and why like, were you still carrying guns around then because i was still in the gang mm. i was in the gang up to 17 years old mm. So I was like... So you got back from Africa and it was right back into the gang? Well, because of the situation that happened at home. Yeah, so I, right, I, I right. I left my house. That's people that took care of me. And and so I, I saw it. He looked at it and his face, he had this look on his face. It was it was almost like, it was almost like, you ever saw, you ever, you ever like a really difficult puzzle to solve? And then finally, you're like, holy shit, that's, that's the piece of the puzzle. That's the look on his face. Like... Mm. It just all came into, and I wasn't trying to find out what he was thinking. So I was, I got to go. So I just got in and I left. 
And then I thought for sure my $20 was gone. And uh, the guy calls me up. He says, two days later, he goes, hey, are we still going to play? I'm like, okay, right, we're going to play. So I, I meet him and we, we play. And he says, I want to invite you to my house. And I thought it was really weird because why would you invite someone like me who you just saw a gunfall's bag like to your house? It's just weird. But you know, I agreed to do it because I was making $20. I didn't want to lose $20. And so he had a house near Hunter Mountain. And that was his house. He had an apartment in New York City, but he had a house near Hunter. So when I would take him- Where's Hunter Mountain? It's two and a half hours away from New York City, going past New Jersey. So his family okay. lived there. Like they had yeah. his house, like in the woods, like in the woods, weird, weird kind of thing. Like, you know, and it was weird because they had no TV, no sweet stuff. Like it was just crazy. And so I went there um, to meet his family and I played ping pong with them. He had a ping pong table, you know, the game room, yeah. you know, and I played with his family. And I think he wanted to give me a sense of what family was. And then he says, hey, um, I want to help you. And he said, I'm going to pay for you to go to Germany to learn ping pong. Because he had a connection in Germany. So I think this guy's been playing ping pong all his life, but not on a professional level, just yeah. in the for fun. for fun. And because he had this connection to the school in Hanover, Germany. And he says, I'm going to pay for you to go to Germany to learn ping pong. I was like, what? And the, at the time, the only thing I knew about Germany or was, was Hitler. And I was like, why is this guy trying to say Germany? That's weird. Um, and he but, was an Israeli guy. Yeah, but at that time, I, I didn't even understand the whole yeah. guy, it's really anything. Yeah. Um, and I was like, all right, uh, I'll, I'll, I guess. And I wind up going. I wind up going. But the thing was, is like, I, like a, lot, a lot of people say to me, oh, you're so lucky. And I hate that, I hate that word, lucky. And you say, oh, you're so lucky, you know, if it wasn't for that guy, you know, yeah, if it wasn't for, the, if it wasn't for me meeting the guy, um, I would be probably dead or in jail. But on the other end of it, I had to want to accept the help that I was given. Most people in my case will not accept it. Most people say, you're crazy. I'm, I'm not going to Germany. I'm going to leave here. That's crazy. Yeah. So most people wouldn't accept the help. So 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 when I, like when I give uh, these talks that I've been recently given now, I always tell people, you know, two things. You know, accept the help people give you, and don't be afraid to ask for help. Because I think that's key. Don't be afraid to ask for help. help. Yeah, I feel like I'm afraid to ask for help often. Yeah, because there's a shame factor. Yeah, like exactly. I couldn't handle it myself. Why am I asking for help? Right, right. And I also feel like no one wants to help anybody else. So right. I don't ask. Exactly. Exactly. And and. Yeah, so I accepted the help. I went to Germany. No, How much did it cost for him to do that? I don't know. I don't know, but sure. everything was already paid for. I didn't have to do anything. Like he had an apartment for you there? No, no, no. I lived in the school. Okay. I lived in a sports school. So the school had the, the room, like a boarding, like a boarding school. Yeah. Sim, sim, very similar to a boarding school. So there were other kids? Was, oh, yeah. There's other kids who are German, like the best athletes in different sports. And there were other kids like me from different countries. Yeah. who came there to train. And live How many were ping-pong kids? Oh, it was like, a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. It was, it was a lot. Is, is ping-pong a big sport in Germany? Um, yeah, I would say I would say it's pretty big. I mean, there, there's a professional league, right? Like a Bundesliga. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like, uh, like soccer. Yeah. Like soccer has a Bundesliga. There's one for ping-pong. So there's like different teams all over Germany, and they pay you to play, play on the team. And it's like, it's like NBA. And people go and watch, and they bring their towels and they make noise, all this crazy stuff. Yeah, so so it's it's pretty big. Germany has one of the 
the best uh, leagues for ping pong because, you know, from the very, very top to the lower level. So there's tons of levels for, for leagues in Germany. But we don't have that system in America. But in Europe, they, they have a system yeah. like that. And so, so was this where you made like a giant leap in ping pong? Yeah. Were the coaches good? Yeah, the coach. Like world level? Oh, yeah. The, I, actually, the coach that I used to coach that I learned from, she's very famous. She, she's like the number So that area of Hanover is called Niedersachsen. And she's the number one, the most famous coach from there. Mm. Like people know her, like, like mm. they know her. Um, she passed away recently, actually, not, not too long ago, maybe like a year ago. Wow. Yeah. And um, I stayed there and she was really nice to me. Like, like she liked me a lot. I remember there was a girl from Wales there and I used to make fun of the girl from Wales because her English was crazy. And I was like, what is that? She's like, oh, I speak the proper English. I was like, no, that, there's nothing proper about that. That, that. that just sounds crazy. And then we would argue a lot. And so I would, I would ask the coach, say, hey, let me ask you a question. Who can you understand? And the coach would say me, because everyone can understand. Everyone, like, like when people talk about proper English and all this craziness, I'm like, just ask the world, who can you understand clearly? The person from America or the person from anywhere else. Everyone will tell you the person from America is easier to understand than the person from Britain, London, or wherever. Any of those places. And mm-hmm. Everyone will say it. It's much easier to understand. But she was fun. The, the girl, the, we had this love-hate relationship. And I used to just make fun of her all the time. She'd make fun of me and talk about the Queen's English and all this craziness. But um, yeah, yeah, was she getting good at ping pong too? Yeah, she was, really, she was better than me. Huh. She was like way better than me. Like, well, where I, is she I, now? I, I think, I don't know. I haven't kept up with her. But, but I think at the time, she was like junior national team of her country. I, I was nothing. I was just a kid trying to learn ping pong. So she was good. Way, way better. But like, do you feel like you had talent? Did you have some skill? No, no, I had, I had talent. I, I, I had talent. I, I, I'm good at all sports. Mm-hmm. It's not a sport that I can't pick up quickly. Every sport, it doesn't matter what it is, if it's a sport, and it's because sports was my second outlet. Yeah. So I joined every sport I could play, even I couldn't play. And I became MVP. Like, I played volleyball. I never played volleyball in my life mm-hmm. until in um, high school. I played volleyball. Volleyball, who plays volleyball? I never played it. I was MVP for two years in a row. Never played sport. I'm just good at sports. And, 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 and I think I always associate the reason why I play sports was because I grew up in an abusive home. And that makes me want to excel. You know, every time I win at a sport, it's almost like I won or I beat the abuse. So a lot of people, when they're like from a bad childhood or a bad home or domestic environment, they kind of, like you almost did, kind of go a wrong path and end up in jail or drugs or dead or whatever. And you seemed to naturally channel this into, like you say, just being good at sports, for instance. Like, how do you think someone who's listening to this can, and, and of course, everybody's got a, everybody's, everybody's got a story. Everybody's got bad things that have happened to them. Maybe not as bad as some of the things that happened to you, but things that they think about, that they're stressed about, that they, hated as a child or as an adult, how can they learn to channel that into, into like the, you know, forging the, 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 the steel basically that you did for sports? I think it's all about finding something that is important to you, something you're passionate about or something that you love doing and take that energy, that negative energy that you might have and channel it into that. Well, like, what does it mean to channel it? Do you remind yourself, hey, if I don't succeed at this, it's back to the... Like for me, 
you know, like when I'm playing sports, you know, why? What's the reason why I'm playing sports, right? Sports make me happy. Right. When I play sports, I, I feel happy. I, I feel free. When I play sports, I, I, I think about um, what if I didn't play sports, right? What if I, let, let, let's say I never played sports. I would never have been shooting ping pong. I'd probably be dead or in jail. It's only because I played sports that I even got, like, I remember, I hated ping pong. I did not like the sport. I made fun. I would come from the football field. And I would see kids playing lunchroom, and I would abuse. I was like, look at these kids with their short shorts and a stick. What kind of stupid? I hated this sport. Hated it, right? If I never played sports, I would have never been interested at all. And I'd probably be dead or in jail, right? Because out of all the sports I played, this is the only one that took me around the world. But like, let's say, every, and, and right, so you've traveled all over the world. You've represented the U.S. Yeah. everywhere. And as I mentioned earlier, you've even represented the U.S. in North Korea. Yeah. You're, you're here now, you know, coaching. And I see everybody recognize you. Oh, there's Wally Green. And they want you to coach them or play yeah, with them yeah, or yeah. sign their rackets or whatever. And, uh, uh, but like, let's even just take someone from a completely different background, like, like someone like me. Again, everybody's got things that have happened to them or stress them or they worry about, like, let's say I'm in some competition or business or, or whatever, how do I begin to think about channeling negative experiences into something positive? And let's say again, like, you know, I'm trying to make this comeback in tournament chess. Let's right, just take right, that as a right. scenario or investing or sales or whatever. Um, that's a tough question. I think it's more about finding what you're passionate about and using that. Let's say, I don't know, let's say, like for me, like when I'm playing, let's say I'm not playing well, I'm playing really bad. You know, I start thinking about things. First of all, what can I do better? But what's gonna drive me to do something better? And I might think back, oh man, I remember when my dad told me, I'm never gonna amount to anything. I'm never gonna be great. Or I'm never gonna win anything. I'm gonna put everything into this and I'm gonna win this. And that's me channeling something from that happened in the past to make me um, get better at something in the future. So I find things that were really bad for me in the past and I use those things to do better. And that's, and that's an example that I use. It's like always, always remember, like you never, I never forget those, those words. You're never gonna amount to anything. You're always gonna fail and you're, always, and you're gonna be in jail or dead for life. So everything I do goes it's, but when you're thinking that, does it ever make you sad? Like, oh my God, I can't believe like my stepdad said it to you. Does it no, ever make you sad? No, like, no, no. And you're thinking my opponent, this Chinese guy sick, uh, standing across the table staring at me, his his family probably supported him, yeah. did everything. And I had this like miserable thing. No wonder, he, like you ever do negative self-talk? No, no. Like I'm, oh, I'm a loser compared to this guy. That makes me want to win more. Hmm. That actually makes me want to win even more. The feeling of beating someone who's had everything while you have nothing is unbelievable. It's so self-inspiring. You know, there's so many kids that coming up through playing this sport who's had everything. Parents are rich. They have everything they want. They have everything in their hands to be a great athlete. Everything. Some of them earned it. Some of them didn't. But they have all the possibilities were there where I had to create my possibilities. I had to make my possibilities. I didn't come from that. You know, it was always a struggle. And, and I think those are the best athletes because we don't take anything for granted, right? We understand we have to work really hard. We understand that if this kid has everything, how do we beat this kid? 
I have to work two, three, four, five times harder than him if I want to be him because he has everything. So let me make it even harder for you. Let's say you know the guy is better than you. Yeah. So it's a Chinese guy, it's a Chinese national champion. Yeah, yeah. And nine times out of 10, if it was you, if you're matched up, he's probably going to win. How do you not say to yourself, oh my God, he's just definitely good. And let's say he starts winning four nothing, uh, you know, in a game. I, how, how do you talk to yourself so that you don't just automatically say, man, I just gotta get a point or two. I got the answer for this question right here. This, this is what I do. So, and, and you know, by the way, He's better. He's gonna see more yes. angles. He's gonna yep. see more patterns. He's gonna he's gonna read you better than you're gonna read him. Yes, yes, I agree. Um, so what I do is, uh, for me, I think all of us need to have a sense of reality. This is the first important things, right? Everyone can't do everything, and everything is not for everyone. And we need to have a sense of reality, and we need to make goals that actually make sense. I think this is the biggest problem in this world. They tell kids craziness. You can do anything you want in the world. No, you can't. That's not true. Everyone can't do anything in the world that you want. You can't, right? If you're three foot tall, you're not going to be in the NBA. There's no way it's going to happen, right? So, so I, I, I try to make goals that actually make sense. So, for example, if I'm playing against this guy who's from China, I already accept that I can't beat him. I, it's a reality. It's a reality situation. It, it, it's not that I feel like I'm not. Like some people say, "Oh, but you need to push." Yeah, I'm going to push. I'm going to try. But there's a reality to it. And if you don't understand reality, you won't succeed. Because if in your mind you're saying, I can beat this guy, then you can't learn from each point that you lose because you feel you can beat him. So you obviously feel you're better than him. So that means you can't learn from all the mistakes that you're making. And you're going to continue to make the same mistake, right? Because that, that's what happened to me in the sport. When I first came to this sport, man, I was a super athlete, MVP, every sport. I can beat everyone. Let me tell you, I was getting killed. 11-1, 11-2, 11-3. I couldn't get five points in four games. Couldn't do it because the mindset was wrong, right? So what I did was I had to make goals that made sense, right? All right, this guy's been playing since three. He's number 10 in the world. I have no chance to beat him. That was the first step was admitting that he's better than me. So if I had to play a Chinese guy, I have to admit, yeah, this guy's good. I can't beat him. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try to get six points. I'll try to get six points. If I get six points, I win the match. So I convinced myself, and this is what I did when I first started Pro Tour. I had to convince myself that if I achieved my goal, some people call them smart goals or something like this. If I achieve my goal, then I'm the winner. And I had to believe it. So I would play, right? And 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 I would I would say, okay, just get five points. Well, get five points in one game out of four, you're the champion. And I would get five points and I, and I would be happy. And people thought I was crazy. That's why a lot of people know me in this world for table tennis. They thought I was crazy because I'd be like, yeah, happy and everything. And people were like, this guy just lost 4-0. Why is he happy? Mm. But they didn't know that I achieved the goal that I wanted. So I make these goals that make sense to me. And if I get these goals, I celebrate. And if I celebrate, I get more inspired to make more goals, right? So I said, okay, you got five points this game. Try to get five points in every game and you're the champion. And I truly believed this. It was madness. Like, I believed it. I remember the time I took one game. I won one game out of four. I still lost. I won one game. I jumped on the table. And mm. I was like, ah, I was the happiest guy in the world because I took a game. But that's, but that's what I do. And that's what keeps me uh, 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 fighting and keep winning. I just make goals that make sense and tell myself that if I win this, 
or if I'm able to achieve this goal, I'm the champion. And I, be- and I truly believe it. So it. So I never get down and say, oh my God, I can't beat this guy. All right, I already know I can't beat him. It's, it's, it's accepting the reality first. He's better than me. And once I do that, I can make these smaller goals and then accomplish these goals. And then with each goal I make, you know, I get better actually, right? Because now I've accepted the guy's better than me. Therefore, now I can learn from the mistakes that I'm making, right? Because when someone thinks they know everything, you can't learn that way. Because you already said, I learned, I know everything. I'm the best. So now when you play, you don't see the mistakes. But now that I understand, yeah, these guys are better than me. Every time I play, it's a learning experience, right? And I know I can't beat them. And how do you how do you learn? How do you turn it in? Like when you're when you lose, yeah. I mean, do you take video of the game? Oh, yeah, like- yeah. So sometimes I take video of the game. After a game, I always ask myself, oh, what could I have done better? Or what did I do good? What did I do well? What what did I do bad? You know, so so I always- Do you ever ask your opponents? Oh, sometimes after, yeah, a lot of times, a lot of times after the match, I might ask my opponents, hey, how did, how, how did you- uh, uh, make this serve or, or, or what did you do that, that was giving me so much problems? Sometimes you might not understand what they're doing. Only they, they know what they're doing, especially in this sport, because there's so many small intricacies that, that you sometimes don't even understand what they're doing to you. You might think like, here's a big thing in this sport. You'll hear people say this all the time. And I think with every racket sport, oh man, I was just missing. I kept missing my shot. I was just missing. No, bro, you wasn't just missing. He was making you miss, right? Because in the match, you think that because you missed, it was you. No, he put the ball in a position that made it difficult for you to hit it. And you didn't realize that. So that's why you were missing. So it's always good to ask your opponent because sometimes you don't even realize. You think it's you when it wasn't you. It was what he was doing that was causing you to make those mistakes. So I always like to ask my opponent, what were you doing? when you played me, because I had a lot of problems with that. And they'll tell you. They'll be like, yeah, you know, I saw your forehand was weak, or, or I saw you weren't moving correctly to the forehand, or the transition between back and forehand was slow. And then that's how you learn, that's how you get better. So I did that, I did that all through my career. Like, I, I always learned, you know, I was the hardest worker on the Pro Tour. I would lose, you know, the Pro Tour lasts about anywhere, we let's say five days. It's a five-day tournament. Four or five day tournament. Where, where is it usually? Oh, all over the world. Mm-hmm. Like I would travel, think I would travel from America to China to Germany, Korea, everywhere. I've been everywhere. And and I would lose on the first day. My tournament be ended on the first day. As soon as I got there, you know, if I played the qualification, right? Uh, let's say I was unlucky and I was in a group with two people. Guess what? There's two matches for the day. And okay, and if I got and if I had a doubles partner, I'd play doubles maybe three days later. Mm-hmm. But you know, you play one, you lose, you play the next one, you lose, that's it, done. And if you had no doubles, that means you just went all the way to China to play for less than 30 minutes and tournament was over. Oh, man. But you know what I would do? I would go into the practice hall and find people to practice with. I did it all the time. I spent a lot of time in the practice hall. That's how I was able to, Korean national team asked me to practice. That's how I was able to practice all over the world because I would always go and find players, hey, can we practice? Hey, can we practice? Hey, can we practice? So even though I lost, I would lose the first day, I spent the rest of the five days practicing the practice hall. I would just practice with everybody. Just practice, 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 practice. And then that's how I got better. 
is just spending the time practicing. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side by side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit, where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides, like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours. And they, they were willing to pay for everything for me. So I, I, at first class. So I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I just was talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see. You'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter, and I got nonstop, really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast. And the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast.
See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Here's another psychological question. This one is, is directly related to something I experienced. So recent tournament I played in, the first two rounds, I beat the highest rated players I have ever beaten. So I demonstrated to myself, I'm playing at a level that I've ever played at before. I'm playing at a good high level. So I beat these players, even 25 years ago when I was playing in tournaments, I had never beaten players this highly ranked. And then I lost my next six games in a row. Right. So like, what is, so there's, so there's something erratic. Like the, the first two of those six losses, I played really great games against great players, right. but I still lost. And then the next four games after that, I was playing lower rated players and they crushed me. They were like horrible in the games. I was playing like the worst ever. So what is going on in my head? What is wrong with me? And by the way, then the negative self-talk starts and the whole right. thing. No, no I, 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 I think one of, one of the biggest problems uh, with, with sports or competitions is that we always want to play higher. We always want to play players who are stronger than us. We always want to play players who are better than us. No one wants to play the guy who's lower than us because people feel that, oh, I can't get better playing a lower guy, right? The object of playing a lower guy is not to get better, it's to stay consistent, mm -hmm. right? Because of course you don't get better playing a lower guy, but you stay consistent in knowing that you can beat the lower guy all the time. So in table tennis or ping pong, which I like to say, this happens all the time. You get all these kids, they have a rating similar to chess. So let's say you're 2299. If there's a 2300 event, you should play it. But what they do is they, they want to play 2300 because guess who's going to be in 2200? People other than you, maybe 2100s, maybe 2000s, right? It's going to be players that are lower than you. And no one wants to play these lower players, right? Because they want to play the higher players. But the problem is, if you don't play the lower players, then you don't get consistent at beating those lower players. That's really interesting. So you play the higher rate of players to kind of learn. I've, I think what, from learning from your mistakes in those games, you really learn like advanced techniques. Right. But, but, you, but by playing and, and consistently beating, or by playing the lower rated players, you learn how to be consistent. consistent. Because yeah, somehow I, I had, a, I guess, a higher level of focus when I was playing the higher rated players. Right. I was quote unquote luckier, but you know, there's a saying only the good players are lucky. Right. And then when I was playing the lower rated players, maybe there was some subconscious thing in me that was saying to myself, oh, I, I just beat these high rated players. I could easily beat these guys. Right. And I wouldn't, uh, what would happen? Like I wouldn't play the same. I wouldn't. Right. Well, no, because we, it's really difficult to play the same, right? So let's say your level is high level. Right. When you play against a high-level player, you're more focused. You're more open. Your eyes are open, right? And you focus. You know the player's better than you. And you have this adrenaline flowing. And it's like, yeah, everything you do has to be perfect. And it's in your head. And, and when you're playing a lower player, you don't have that same focus. And you, but you need to have that same focus. Like you, need, you need to play the lower player just like it's the higher player. But a lot of times we don't do that. A lot of times we play the lower player. We're like, oh, he's not that good. So what do we do? We take off some of our power, we take off some of our speed, 
We're not as focused as we should be. Do you take more risks? Like, do you try to slam more in ping pong? I think when we're playing the lower player, people take less risks hmm. because they say it's easy, right? And so what people do is that they 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 start to to not try as hard. When you play the high rated player, you, your eyes are open. All right, I gotta make this first attack. I gotta get it on. I gotta get it past him. So only way I can beat this guy is if I get through him. Right? When you play a lower player, you don't think like that. You're like, oh, this guy, this guy's not that good. So you play down to their level, mm. right? And you shouldn't play down to the level. You should play the lower player like you're playing the higher. How do you do that if you're so, again, you know, you've played thousands of games of your sport. I've played lots of games of this. How do you get that focus? How do I almost hypnotize myself into thinking, okay, this person who's ranked much lower than me I got to play him like he's like the world right. champion. You just said it. By telling yourself that this guy is the world champion, by, by telling yourself that this guy is really Like you have to convince your brain that this person is really good and you have to play him like he's really good, right? And playing him like he's really good doesn't mean that you have to go all out attack on him, right? You can just be focused. I think it's more of a mental focus than an actual skill. Like. I might play a player that's not as good as me, right? But I'm focused and take him serious. Like, let's give an example. Richard Dewitt, he's a ping pong player. And if you look at this guy, you would say, there's no way this guy could play a sport at mm -hmm. all. He had a real big stomach. He had this, his, his hair was like falling out and a little bit of strands to the side. If you look at this guy, you say, there's no way this guy is good. There's no, there's no way this guy can play any sport at all. Let me tell you, this guy beats some of the top players in this country. Some of the top players, he beat some of the top players. There was a girls team that came from China. He destroyed all three of them. Mm. In, and because he has a very strange style that's really weird and, and, and he's good at these very few things, but he's a master of these very few things. And um, I played this guy the most I've ever played any individual. You know why I beat him? I think I have, I don't know, I think my percentage win rate is probably like 80%. I really lose to him, where players way better than me have lost to this guy. This guy came from France, top player in France. This guy beat him 3-0. Mm. And you know why? Because they didn't take him seriously. They Every time I see this guy, I take him seriously from the beginning, from 0-0, zero, zero, this guy's the world champion. And I take him very seriously. That's why I never lose to him. And, and, and again, I'm just trying to figure out, like, do I pretend? That there's someone else, or I pretend they've got like yeah skills yes, they've been hiding, not? and yeah, why not? Like you, you can take a guy who's lower, and and just convince yourself, like you know what, this guy's really good, and convince him. If you convince yourself, if you can, if you can convince yourself that this guy's really good, then your brain is gonna play that high level. And and let's say okay, so slightly different question now. Let's say here was this tournament. I had six losses in a row. By the fourth loss, I was like, man, I'm just going to keep losing. I'm a oh, loser. I'm going to quit this yeah, forever. Yeah, not good. Because <laughs> you're, you're, already, you're already telling you, you're already, what's it called? Self-fulfilling prophecy? Yeah, and I, know that's, and I know that too. I know that's going to happen. Yeah. So like, how do I stop the negative self-talk? Uh, you, 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 you need a break. And by the way, it happens in business too. Yeah, you need, they need a break. You, you, you got to take a break. It's just like. But if you're in the middle of a tournament, you can't take a break. Oh, yeah. No, no. Well, you need to reset. You need to go. Like, I, I don't know how the, how the chess tournaments work, but what I would do is I would have to change the scenery for 
a few minutes. So for example, if, 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 if that's happening to me in table tennis where I'm just losing, losing, I need to get out of the table tennis hall and just go somewhere, a different scenery where I'm not going to see table tennis and reset my brain and then think about, okay, this is happening. Why is it happening? What can I do better? And then come back with a plan. But I think if I just, if you just stay there and you're in that mindset where, where, where you're like losing and losing and losing and losing, you got to change what your brain or what your eyes are seeing. And when you come back, like, how did you change your plan? For me, like, I would come back and then I would come with a plan. I would say, all right, first I got to know why I'm losing. I got I to know what am I doing wrong that I'm losing and I'm going to try to change that. So let's say, for example, there was a kid from Panama that played yesterday. This kid is good. This kid's like world class. He couldn't make a forehand at all. And you know what he kept doing? Trying to make a forehand. And we kept telling him, he's like, bro, you got to take something off the ball. You're trying to rip every ball and it's not working. You have no feeling. Just put it on the table. So that means now you got to get out of your ego because his ego is, I'm great and I can rip every ball on the table. You got to get out of your ego and play safe. But he couldn't do it. Like he cannot do it. And that's the biggest problem. We have to figure out, you know, where's our safe mode? Where can we play where we can still be competitive right? But not playing a lower level where we can still stay competitive. And he couldn't do it. We were watching this guy and we told him over and over, bro, just put it on the table. Spin the ball. If he did that, he would have won the match easily, but he could not do it. Every point, boom, off the table, boom, off, into the net, off, up. Because he, I don't know, he, he just didn't have that mental capacity to actually take a step back. What am I doing wrong? Let me change this right here. Instead of me trying to rip every ball, let me just put it on the table. But his ego won't let him do that, right? Because his ego is he knows how good he is. He knows he's better than the guy he's playing. And that's what happens. That's where people fail. It's just recently, like, you know, I'm big, I'm big into mixed martial arts. And one of the greatest champions, Amanda Nunes, the best female fighter out there. No one's never beat her. She's beaten the best of the best. She fought a girl who was good. Was the girl better? No. Not in my opinion. I think not in a lot of people's opinion. And there was a point where they were fighting. They were standing up. And the girl caught her. Bam! Hard. Now, if someone catches you, what do you do? You step back and reset. But her ego got in the way. And she stood there trying to throw blows. Mm. Like, you've just been rocked. Like, but the ego says, nah, I'm the best in the world. No one can beat me. And so what happens is that forces you to make more mistakes because your ego says, I'm the best in the world. No one can beat me. And now you're standing there doing the same mistake over and over. That girl took the belt, by the way. It's interesting, this notion of, you know, taking a step back, having come back with a plan, but also this idea of reverting to safe mode. And now when I'm playing, let's say the best of the best, I might not be in safe mode, no. but sometimes when I'm playing someone lower, you're saying get into safe mode, but am I treating them di differently then than the best? So when, when you're playing someone, so when you're playing the best, we're never in safe mode because we have nothing to lose. Right. Right. We, we've already programmed our mind, but if I lose, he's better than me anyway. Right. So that's why we play our best because there's nothing to, to lose. When we're playing the lower player, we have a lot to lose, right? Because the guy's better than me. If I lose, then, oh man, it's going to be bad. So the safe mode is just, it's a level of consistency where, you know, the guy is lower than me, but 
I'm still going to play to my best. I'm not going to do too much, and I'm not going to do too little. I'm just going to play what I can do, uh, no more and no less. When we play against better players, we always do more than we can do. When we play against better players, we make shots that we normally don't make. We do things we normally don't do because they're better. So that forces us. We know that we can't beat them. So we try all kinds of stuff, right? But that stuff doesn't work sometimes on lower players, right? Sometimes you play lower players and you do too much and then you lose, right? So the safe mode is the middle ground. So like what's your safe mode when you're playing ping pong? Like what, what's for you? Do you not slam as much? Yeah, so, so for example, if I play a player who's, who's, who's not as good as I am, then I have a medium pace play, medium speed that I'm going to play where I'm not going to miss. I'm not going to miss. I, that person's going to miss, right? Because if you play against a player who's not as good as you, right, their speed is not going to be the same as the top player in the world. Mm. Top player rips, you rip back, boom, it even. Mm. Low player rips, you try to rip back, uh, it's not that much spin, you make the mistake. So there has to be a medium speed that you can play at, right? Which is better than that person, but not as high as the level of the level that you play when you play a higher person. So for me, if there's a person not better than me, I would just play the safe mode. Maybe I won't force the attack. Mm. But a player better than me, I don't need to force the attack. Or maybe I might just go all out attack, right? Because I know I can make that shot. But, you know, it depends on the particular player. So a lot of times what I do with players who are not as good as me, it depends on what racket I'm using. If I'm using my normal racket, then I let them make the mistakes. And that's how you beat lower players. Mm. You beat lower players by letting them make their own mistakes because they're lower players for a reason. They're lower players because they make mistakes. And that's why they're lower than you. They make mistakes. So you allow them to make these mistakes. Now, if they're not making these mistakes, then you have to be able to adjust and play a little bit higher level, right? But most of the times, the lower player is always going to make mistakes. So you you allow them to make mistakes. A lot of Sometimes people don't want to let the lower player make mistakes. They want to outright beat them. And in the process, yeah. it's not the same. It's, it's not the same. I mean, for, for sports, it's not the same speed. It's not the same spin. And now you're playing this lower player like he's a higher player. And that's why now you're making mistakes, right? So for, like for me, I have a medium ground, lower player. All right, I'll give them a chance, let them make the mistakes. Yeah, this is, this is key advice. I've got to remember this stuff. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I want to switch topics a little bit. And I know it's been going on long, so I really appreciate the time you're spending. So you've got a great TikTok channel. You've you built your audience from scratch. You have a lot of followers. You've built them from scratch. You even teach TikTok classes. And you told me point by point, like what you do. And, you know, TikTok's a very small form. It's like 15 to 30 second videos. Like, I'll just flat out ask, like you, you, it's almost like you have a formula. What's your formula? Yeah. Because everyone wants to know how to make a viral TikTok. How, how many videos have you had that have over a million views? A lot. <laughs> I have a lot. Now, I have, I have one that's viral right now. It's still going. And uh, I might, depending on the next couple of days, I'm trying to see. I think maybe, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I think because of the content, maybe the one I posted yesterday may go viral. We're going to see. Was that the, which one was that? Did I the, uh, Germany tried to massively come on Israel's table and beat them. Because I didn't realize, I actually, I posted it because Germany played Israel and it was a really good match. And, you know, in my content, I like to use the word massively come on the table. And I added that. But then I didn't realize the significance that it actually meant. Right, the historical series of yeah, Germany I wasn't Israel. paying attention. Actually, you know what? I had to go, oh, I didn't even tell you. I had to make like a public apology. Really? Yes. Yes, because I didn't really, because I answer every comment. You know, when you answer comments, you build community from engagement. So a lot of times I'm going through comments really quickly and there are some comments I don't understand. But even if I don't understand them, I still answer them. I might say my, my most famous answer for a comment I don't understand is LOL with faces, yeah. right? But I said LOL to a comment that was really bad. And I didn't realize it at all. And the comment said, I don't know, something like Germany wins by 6 million points. Uh, yeah. Germany's points yeah, were 6 critical. million. And so I, I didn't even know what the guy meant. Like, I didn't pay attention to it. I didn't know what he meant. And I said, haha, that's so funny. But I didn't pay attention to it. I didn't even know what it meant. And then today, uh, John was reading through comments. And he was like, yo, bro, somebody wrote. And I looked. And... I didn't know what it meant. And I was like, what does it mean? He was like, that's how many people. I was like, what? And so I had like agreed with this message. And then people were writing, oh, I don't understand how you're invited to an event like that. You think this is funny? And I was like, oh my God. So I had to go reply to those people. Hey, my bad. I really didn't, didn't understand what he wrote. And then I didn't delete the comment because I, I, I think everyone has a freedom of speech. And, and maybe, just maybe, which I was, I tell you, listen, I'm a good judge of character. And maybe, um, just maybe, the guy thought it was a joke and he thought yeah. it was funny. Comedians make all kinds of jokes all the time. You know, we take some serious, we don't take some not serious. We shouldn't take it serious because it's a joke. But okay, I figured, okay, maybe this, whoever wrote this, I don't think they would blatantly write this on my page to be evil. Yeah, it's probably a joke. So I deleted my comment because I didn't want to delete the comment. Everybody has a freedom of speech. Say what you want. Right? So I didn't want to delete the comment. I deleted my comment of saying LOL. And then I wrote a long 
comment to it what he said. And I said, hey, um, I didn't really understand what you meant by that. And I hope this was a joke and not something racist because I really don't condone any kind of racism on my page. And, um, you know, with that in mind, I, I, I really hope you would apologize. He wrote an apology. All right. On my page. That's good. Which is really good. So, okay, yeah. so you respond to every comment. Every comment. What if there's like a million comments? I respond to a million comments. I have viral videos with tons of comments. I respond to everybody. I mean, I wouldn't tell everybody to, to do that. I do it because, you know, my content is very niche and my content grows every day, but it grows at a smaller rate as most people do, yeah. does. Um, because of the kind of content it is. Would you recommend people do niche or just try to be generally? No, you have to be niche. You, okay. It's very difficult to, to grow on TikTok if you're not niche. So like if someone's just doing dances on TikTok, they shouldn't comment on politics. Yeah, yeah. If you Or if you put a picture, a video of your cat, no one cares. Unless your cat can dance. Yeah, and right. If your cat can dance. It's part of the dance routine. But yeah, yeah. So so I, I, I'm very intentional with my account. When I first made my account, I didn't want any table tennis players to follow me at all. And normally, when you make your account, you want people to follow you that's into your niche. No, but that's very interesting because I'll just use again chess as an example. There are many popular chess streamers, chess TikTokers, yeah. who obviously aren't the best in the world. The best in the world have other things to do. And exactly. like they're playing their game. And you almost are embarrassed because who am I to be, you know, I'm not one of the top people right. who am I to be doing this? But those are the, but like you, Wally, your personality is larger than life. You should be doing content. Right. You know, maybe the best table tennis player in the world doesn't have a larger than life personality. They should just be training table yeah, tennis. I agree. So, and people want content about the things they're interested in. So there might be a hundred million people interested in ping pong. They need the best content creators, not the best players right. to create the content. Right, right, right. So, so that should dispel all the people who say, oh no, I shouldn't be talking about nuclear physics, I'm not a Nobel Prize winner. No, if you're entertaining about nuclear physics, then it's good. Yeah. Yes. So, 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 okay. So niche, you don't have to be the best in the world, but you have to have something unique. And we'll get to that in a second. You respond to every comment. There's one thing you said earlier, which I want to turn into a form. You said you like to say a phrase like, oh, the, these German girls thought they could massively come yeah, all yeah. over. So obviously, so there was two things about that. It was grammatically incorrect yeah. and it was sexual. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So the thing was, how do I get people into my niche that's not interested in my niche, right? When we go through social media, I call it a mindless scroll. We mindlessly scroll through stuff. We just scroll through, we scroll through, we scroll through. And you need something to make you stop. What makes you stop on my page as opposed to another page? So for me, it's captions. I, I use captions. Captions are bigger than my content, actually. The captions are what bring people who don't even care about ping pong, right? Right, because they haven't even seen the video but, yet, but they see the caption. They, they hear the captions first. It's right in your face. And then you hear the voice, right? You know, this dude really thought he could massively come on my table and beat me. Originally, it was this dude really thought he could come on my table and beat me. That's how I started. That Well, that was when I started doing that caption. That's what I used. But then I thought of, a, you know, just different words. Well, what's an interesting word that can go before that? And I thought massive. Wow. Massively come on my table sounds just crazy and it's, gra yeah. it's grammatically incorrect. Doesn't even make sense. And that's what made my videos go viral because now people- Do you use the same catchphrase? Like do you yes. massively come every time? I, I use it every 
single huh. toss. So you need that catchphrase so people recognize, hey, so this is a Wally video. When people, a lot of people have recognized me in the street from TikTok and they're like, oh my God, you're, you're the guy who massively comes on people's tables and beat them. And the reason I do that is so that they know it's my video. And I tell people like when you're posting, you know, don't be afraid to use the same caption for every single video. We get in our head and I've done it myself and say, oh my God, you know what? I don't want to keep posting the same caption or I don't want to keep posting the same type of video because people are going to think that I'm posting the same stuff. There's so many, there's a billion people on an app. Yeah. If one million people have saw it, you still got how many more. And also for the next video, people will recognize, oh, it's not the same video, but I know this is a Wally Green video. Yeah, right. The captions, so, so, so my captions are always consistent. I always keep my captions consistent and my videos are ping pong, always ping pong videos. Once in a while, I'll throw in a video if it's something that I'm passionate about. But if it's ping pong, is it always like there's a big slam or some kind of unique shot? Oh, it's, it, it's always gonna be, it could be anything. It, it, could be, it, 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 it could be me playing with my cell phone, me playing with a small paddle. But it's always some, it's, it's always like point. point. It's always a point. It's always one point. And is there always something, one thing unique about the point? Oh, yeah, yeah. Or could it be just a regular point? Uh, it's always something unique about the point. Like you use an iPhone. Like I use iPhone, paddle. I use a small paddle. Maybe I hit a backhand like this, or maybe I had a crazy forehand. It's always something that's so you, so you take the standard format of a point, which is basically two people playing with ping pong rackets on a yeah. ping pong table, and, and, and until the point's over, will you change two things, or will you change just one thing? I use just one point. Mm -hmm. So everything is one point because when you create content, especially when you're niche down, now you have to have enough content to create, right? So if, like I, like I tell people, let's say you, you're, you're shooting content, right? If you shoot content within your niche for an hour, how many clips do you have? You have a ton of money. You have so many clips. And don't be afraid to use those clips within that same thing. A lot of people look at it and say, oh man, people are going to think it's the same. No, it's not how it works. You know, how many people think it's the same? First of all, it's not like Instagram where like 7% of your followers actually see your videos first. This is going out to random, legit random people. What's the odds? Let me say something. When I look at my viral videos, you know how many people that are actually friends with me that actually saw this video? It's almost, I wouldn't say not even 10%. Right, because the TikTok algorithm, they, they just have a different goal. Their goal is to help make videos go viral and help people discover good content. Yes. Instagram and Facebook, they started off like as a way to connect with your friends. So the, yeah, the algorithm really, exactly. and, and by the way, they shouldn't change. Like it should be a way for friends to keep up with each other. Right. And they're right now, I feel like they're, they're changing their whole business models. They are. Emulate TikTok. Yep. Don't just be a better Facebook. Don't be yes. a better TikTok. TikTok already does exactly. it great. Exactly. And, and it doesn't work. It does not work. The Instagram algorithm does not work. Let me tell you something. Reels. Reels is a direct copy of TikTok, right? And I ask this question to everybody. When you're scrolling to Reels, how many times have you pressed follow? And everyone will tell you, no, I've never. Yeah, zero, because zero. Reels is just like, oh, I'm gonna watch like the entertainment channel. Yes, and yes. And I'm gonna turn it off. Yes. Because I know I could always go back to Reels and just watch a bunch of like yes, random videos. Yes. But with TikTok, you're right. Like if someone does something special, I want to see, like let's say someone's doing magic tricks in the street. It's yeah. amazing. I don't want to see every magician. I want to see that guy that again. Guy. Yes, so, exactly, exactly. So you have that same catchphrase and it's grammatically incorrect, so it's noticeable. Yeah. And sure. it's sexual, so it's noticeable. You have a point, so it's short, 
and it's sure. a standard format, yep. but there's something unique about the point. Yep. You respond to every comment. Do you have tags? Yeah, I do. I'm very smart about using about hashtags. So when I start to use hashtags, I thought that I want to take over hashtags. I need to take over hashtags already. So there's two ways to do it. You can create your own hashtag, mm. which is fine too, and hopefully people use your hashtag. Or you can do what I do is I like to do, I call them hostile takeovers of hashtags. And I find hashtags that have like maybe anywhere from 500K to maximum 1 million. And that also goes with my content. So there's hashtags I took over. One of the hashtags I took over is, do you know who I am? That, that was a hashtag at 1 mil. Now you go to the hashtag, do you know who I am? It's all my videos. Mm -hmm. I took over hashtag, uh, what's another one very important? Do you know who I am? Um, ping pong life. Um, this one, oh, you can't beat me. You can't beat me was like at 2 million something. I like that. Yeah, so I, I saw that hashtag, it was like 2 million. I think I can take this hashtag. So I took it, my video started going viral. Boom, now you go. Now, do people search that hashtag? Like, why would they? Sometimes people might search it. Uh -huh. But if you do search that hashtag, you'll see yeah. all my videos. It, it is mostly all my videos because my videos got a lot of views, they went viral. So they're going to be at the top of the list. Do you ever use the FYP hashtag? Oh, so, 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 let me tell you. Which is like the For Your Page? FYP does page? not work. Okay. First of all, it's not even called FYP anymore, actually. It's, I forgot what it's called. But I'm it's, an old man. I, yeah, I yeah. asked you to take that two years ago. Oh, yeah. So, 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 uh, it used to be called the For You page, but it's not called For You page. I can't remember exactly what it is now, but the, it's not For You page anyway. And FYP never works. Huh. The reason why it never works so everyone is uses that everyone tag. uses it. So like when, when we talk about hashtag, I try to explain hashtags to people, I explain hashtag like this. Let's say you're in a room. Let's say there's five rooms, right? And uh, each room is a different hashtag. Let's say one is love, like, uh, miss, whatever. And let's say love and like, right? There's two rooms, love and like. In love, there's, let's say, a billion people in this building of love. The building is big enough to hold a billion people. And it's called love. Right, when you walk into that building, what's the odds that any of those billion people are going to reckon uh, are going to even notice you? Zero. Zero, because those billion people are busy doing their own thing, and you walk in, and nobody cares. That's what your video is when you put a hashtag with a billion. That's so many uh, people are already in it, right? So your video is going to hit the top, and in a tenth of a second, it's going to drop. Nobody even noticed you. Now, let's say you go into a room where there's like fifty people, right? Um, so 50 people, we're going to say is like, let's say, I don't know, 100K, 200K, whatever. But say 50 people, and you walk into that room with 50 people, the odds of 50 people actually noticing you is very high, right? Because there's not that many people to fill that room. So they're going, oh, hey, look at this guy. Oh, hey, what's up? How are you doing? So that's what hashtags are like. Hashtags are like that. So when people use these crazy hashtags like FYP, no chance it's going to work. It's zero, no chance. And okay. You, can you use them? You can, because I call, I call those hashtag lottery hashtags. It's like winning a lottery, right? The odds of winning a lottery are slim, slim, slim. But okay, if you get it the right time, it's at the right time. Okay, you, your video can go viral, but the odds is unlikely. So I always tell people, you know, you can use one lottery hashtag. I, don't, I, I did the lottery hashtags in the beginning. Nah, I, now I just use certain ones, my, my own. Uh, not my own, but certain ones that actually relate. But um, you can use that lottery hashtag, and if you get lucky, okay. But if but it's better to find hashtags that are not really saturated that much. And now, what about the music? Oh, uh, so here's another. Okay, so 
other misconceptions. TikTok, everybody says, oh, you need to do trends. You, you need to use music. And you don't need to do none of that stuff. At the end of the day, the most important thing is your content. Doesn't matter what song you use. Music does it make music does not make your videos go viral. Can it make your video go viral? Can it enhance your video? Yeah, it can enhance your video. But your content, if you have shitty content, you can use the most viral music in the world. It's not going viral. If you have amazing content, but the music, and you don't use any music, that's way more of a chance. So People, like, I don't use music. I've never used music ever. Like, none, nothing. I don't use any music. I do no, and I did it on purpose. Everything in my uh, account is done purposely. People think it's not per People, it's so funny. Like, people don't even know it's purpose. Some guy's like, hey, do you understand what you, yeah, I, I do. I did, I did it on purpose. Like, when I say, you know, this dude really tried to massively come on my table and beat me, I know exactly what I'm doing. And what what else in the first few seconds? Because it's always those first few seconds that yeah. you have to catch people. Like, do you filter the colors or anything like that? It has to be something that catches people's eyes. You know, like, uh, captions are really good. The reason why captions are good because when you click your videos, the first thing you're going to see are the captions. So you can read before you even hear the voice. So that's why I like captions because they're going to read it. What did do mass? Why he did what? Already, video's still playing. Right, uh, some people have have visuals. So, so like I know a guy that uh, comes to our uh, master class. Also, he he also helps out. He has like millions. I think he's a million now, maybe over a million. He's a photographer. So his video, first you're gonna see, is usually a lady, a ballet. He, he does all ballet videos. Mm -hmm. All they start in slow motion. So now you see this beautiful image in the beautiful background. It could be like background with this like sun or sunset and you see the person in slow motion jumping up to that with that crazy ballet pose and that boom the ballet pose zooms in and it's a still shot and his stuff kills everywhere everywhere but the visual is so good when you click on it it's like whoa this is crazy what is, what is this person gonna do so how do you make that first frame or two uh, uh highly appealing visually uh this it depends it depends on what your content is. like for me my Frames are not highly appealing visually. I mean, they're there. It's the for me. It's my caption. My caption is what catches people. And I did it on purpose. Like I said, I didn't want. I didn't want. I wanted people to follow me who are not into my niche. That's how you grow a sport. The people who are already in it, already in it. You need. If you want to grow the sport. You get people who are not into it, interested. Yeah. And so that's what I did with my caption. That's why I came up with those captions because I didn't want to have the same account as other table tennis players. Other table tennis players' account are geared towards other table tennis players. You can't grow like that. So I, I purposely did not use like the hashtag table tennis, the yeah. hashtag ping pong. I didn't use any of those hashtags. I like ping pong life though. Ping pong life. Yeah. And I got that hashtag because a friend of mine used it. And I was like, yo, where'd you get it? He said, oh, I just got that. I'm going to use hashtag too. Ever since I started using it, he doesn't use it anymore <laughs> because my videos are saturating the whole hashtag. But um, the captions bring people who necessarily are not into, they're not in the ping pong, right? They just got caught by the caption. And then they say, oh, snap, this guy's really playing ping pong. Like for a long time, people didn't realize that I was the guy who huh. was actually in those videos. Do you ever have people stop you on the street and recognize you from your videos? All the time. From TikTok videos? All the time, all, all the time. When I'm at my club, even more 
at my club, people come and 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 like I said, I always know what's going on around me. I always know within a couple hundred feet, I would see people point and they would come to me like, yo, you're the guy on TikTok who massively closed on people's tables. That's so and funny. It's so funny. Yeah. So um those I think those are super important, especially for, not only for TikTok, for any social media. Yeah. You know, the, the consistency. Stopping the scroll, that's when people just scroll. How do you stop? And do you post once a day? I post once a day. Seven days a week? Every day. Every day. Some days I miss, uh, but every day I post. Because consistency is is important too. Like some people tell you, yo, you got to post. There's another thing I did too. I, I wanted to prove people wrong. First of all, people said that I could not grow an account that was so niched without following trends or using trendy music. This was what they said. They said, and I said, okay. And, and, and they said, you also can't grow an account if you don't post three to five times a day. I said, That's, that doesn't make sense. I, I think at the end of the day, it's about your content. If, if I make good content, I don't need to post five times a day. Now, don't get me wrong. If you post five times a day, yeah, your account will grow faster because it's giving... Yeah, more chance to go viral. More chances to go viral. But do you need to post every day? No, I post one time a day. I have now, I think, over 84K followers one time a day. And I have a lot of- But they're very loyal. Your followers are very loyal. Oh, yes, because of because I communicate with them. Yeah. Right? And then not only that, you know, there's something, other factors you have to look at. I have people who have 500K followers. Look how many likes they have. Yeah, that, none. That, that, that's where you're going to look. You look at the likes, right? So they have 500K followers, but they have 100,000 likes. That's, 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 just, that's just crazy. So here's an algorithm question. Do you, do you have to use the t TikTok to film the video? No. No. So no. you can make a video? That's another misconception. And upload it to TikTok. I, I actually never use. I never. Of course, they want you to use the in-apps. They want you, you know... I don't use their their their, their in app to film because my you know iPhone Pro is better and, yeah. and I, I don't need those 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 aesthetics that that would give I think the video that I'm gonna get from my phone is gonna be better yeah but I do use their in app stuff like the tags you should always use like the tags you know stickers all in I would never take a video I would never take a video and put it on and not use something from the app, even if it's just a little bit of text, right? Because they do want you to use the app. They do want you to use the tools that they gave you. Yeah. But the video, I always film from my camera, always. And another misconception, you do not have to film every video upright. Oh, really? Nope. This is, I, I have a lot of videos that are viral that, that go like this. It depends, it depends on what you're shooting, Yeah. right? For me, shooting ping pong videos, it's a little difficult to shoot upright. Yeah. Depending on the shots I want to get. Now, my most viral videos are upright, right? But that's also content related. You know, they, they, they're, they're things that people haven't seen. Yeah. Right. So those ones, but I do have videos with that are viral, videos that have very high views that are this way. That are, that are what do you call this again? Uh, horizontal. Horizontal. Versus vertical. Yeah. And so it, it it really, it really depends on your content. So this is great. I'm going to try to use these exact techniques 
to build up to 100,000 followers as quickly oh. as possible. I, it's, uh, the challenge is on for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do it. Let's go. You're probably going to beat me in the, in the process. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I probably don't have as good content. Let's go. But uh, so Wally, Wally Green, thank you so much. I mean, we've talked about your amazing story, inspirational, everything. We talked about, you gave me sports psychologist coaching advice, which I super appreciate, and TikTok advice, which I'm going to take advantage of, and I'm going to try to take over What's that one hashtag? I will beat you. I'm going to try yeah, to yeah, that hashtag. Yeah. So, you can't beat me. <laughs> you can't beat me. Maybe I can't be here taking over the you can't beat me hashtag. <laughs> and people could obviously find you at Spin New York City. What's the name on your TikTok? Oh, it's Wally Green NYC underscore. And Instagram is Wally Green NYC as well. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks. Podcast, well done. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.